Hello and welcome to Jade Talk Stuff, a podcast about anything and everything. I'm your host, Jade Jackson, and today I'll be talking about poetry. Now before you groan and say, oh, but that's boring, hear me out. Poetry for me was what started my writing career. It began when I was in high school. I'd been listening to a cassette tape on my Walkman, this is how long ago it was, of Nine Inch Nails, I think it was 91, and I remember reading the lyrics and the liner notes and saying to my friend, man, I wish I could write like Trent Reznor, and she was like, well, have you tried? And I was like, uh, no, and she was like, well, how do you know you can't if you've never tried? So that got me thinking, and that night I went home, and in an A4 Spirex notebook, with an HB pencil, I wrote my first poem. I can't remember what it was or what it was about, and unfortunately all of my notebooks of poetry from high school got burnt in the house fire, which I mention in another episode of Jade Talk Stuff, losing everything in a house fire. Anyway, after that first poem, it was like the floodgates had opened. I filled dozens of notebooks. Some poems were only a few lines, others filled several pages, and some were instantly recognisable as songs. It seemed there was no stopping me. At one point, I don't know why, I tried stopping writing poetry. And I packed up all my notebooks, sealed them with wax, and I never got to digging them in the backyard, but I was going to. And then it was only a few days later, like three or four days later, I was like, I can't do it, I must write. I was strongly influenced by the songwriters and poets I was listening to at the time, like, as mentioned, Trent Reznor, but also Jim Morrison, Leonard Cohen, Jack Kerouac, Alan Ginsberg, Patti Smith and PJ Harvey, and of course, Kurt Cobain. I remember finding a CD in a tiny shop in Melbourne that was Alan Ginsberg reading poetry and Kurt Cobain playing grungy guitar in the background. Of course, that too was lost in the fire, and I'm yet to find a copy again. But poetry for me was partly about communicating a thought, or similar to a photo, capturing a moment. But equally, I loved the sound of words, the way they formed music of their own. For me, poetry was simply collating exquisite words that, when carefully blended, sounded delightful. There was also one other surprising aspect. Writing a beautiful poem actually made me feel good. I guess it's a sense of accomplishment, but I always felt calmer and happier after writing an incredible poem. And as an adult, I recognised that sensation of, it's almost like a braingasm. Basically, I get a hit of endorphins when I reread a poem that I've written. That's when I know it's good. It's like, yep, I nailed it that time. On my Patreon page, you'll find written and audio versions of poems I've created. And I think audio versions should be recorded by every poet because it showcases how the poem should sound with its original emotion. I know the idea of a well-written poem is that anyone can read it and portray the tempo and intonation, but the original voice always carries greater power. No doubt, most listeners' experience of poetry is rereading ancient poems and with endless discussions along with writing essays about 
what they thought the poet was trying to say or why that poem is important. Honestly, I think that takes the fun out of poetry. A poem shouldn't need to be dissected. It should say everything it's trying to say in a way that evokes these thoughts and images with the reader. It should enrich them, but also delight them. But at the end of the day, a poem is deeply personal. I write for me, to express my thoughts and feelings. If others appreciate that too, that's awesome. But for the first few poems, I was always afraid to edit them. I don't know why. I guess I felt that what was written was all that was needed to be said. Anything else was falsifying what had been captured, as if editing was missing the original point. However, there was a selection of short stanzas I wrote in Christchurch. I'd been wandering the red zone, which is the worst affected part of the CBD that was closed down to everyone for months after the earthquake. I was there like three or four years after the quake, and still much of the damaged buildings remained exactly as they were left. I wanted to capture everything about what it was like wandering the streets, void of people, noise and life. All the moments I'd captured with a few words or sentences here or there turned into a decent full-page poem. However, it was only years later when I shared it with a writer's group that I realised some sentences could be improved upon. I tried editing it and ended up with a poem I was happy enough to submit to a competition. I didn't win, but since then I've taken the concept that, like a novel, it's okay to edit a poem to rethink its structure, to smooth out its rhythm and to ultimately create a piece of art worthy of the ages. At its core, a poem is a house. You could use simple words, like a simple house design to build it. You could use a design that consists of four walls and a roof, or in the case of a poem, four lines and a title. But that's boring. It's not enticing. It doesn't have enough to stand out. It's missing the design elements that turn it into a masterpiece just like a beautifully designed architectural wonder. You could spend years studying how to create the perfect poem, but a poem just needs three things. Something that needs to be said, an alternative way of saying it, and another method of expressing the same idea. So basically, the question you need to ask yourself is, what are you trying to say? How else could you say it? Now, how else could you say it again without using cliche or everyday words? It helps to have structure, such as four lines to a stanza, four stanzas to a poem, and a desired length, but it's also easy to fill the space you have. When I first started writing poems, I used an A4 notebook, so many of my poems came in at around a page. Recently, I've been writing in an A5 notebook, which is smaller and shorter, and so some poems fill an A5 page, whilst others fill a double A5 page. I guess when you're writing, it feels weird if you have to turn the page. It's not completely out of the question, but it's jarring to turn the page mid-poem for a reader. If you're not sure what it is you want to say, then write exactly what you're feeling, what you're thinking of, what you see around you. You're still capturing a moment. Years from now, you'll reread that poem and you'll immediately remember where you were and what you were doing, even if the poem is about something completely random. Usually, once I start writing, other thoughts will follow. Just as paint is mere colours on a palette, 
red, blue, green, yellow, and such. Words are only words until they are expertly crafted into a series of sentences and such to create a poem. There's lots of vocabulary associated to poetry, and I'll include a link to an online poetry dictionary in the show notes. But I guess the key thing is to listen to every word and sentence you write. Read them aloud, then read them again, and make sure the sound of every syllable is pleasing to the ear. Make sure it has a nice beat to it, and the rhythm matches the tone of the content. If the poem has the same beat throughout, it can become boring to the ear. But if it's too messy, it can be chaotic to the ear. In my opinion, a poem needs to have a crescendo, like a perfect aria, before quietening down, easing to a soft finish. Some of the main vocabulary you should be aware of in relation to poetry, though, is onomatopoeia, which is words that sound like their meaning. For example, plop, squelch, and hissing. These words instantly provide the listener with a clear visual. Alliteration, which is words that repeat the same sounds, different to rhyme, but simply you might have three words in a row that start with the letter S. This can be powerful as well, but don't overuse it. Also, be aware of where in the word or sentence the stress occurs. For example, the word happy. It rises and falls. Ha-pi. Tree is flat, solid, like a trunk. But again, it can also have a slight rise, depending on your accent. Count how many syllables in each word, and how many syllables in each sentence. Just like a bass line, they form the beat to your poem. A good example is haiku, which is a traditional Japanese form of poetry. It's generally formed by five syllables, then seven syllables, then five syllables again which in English is usually written as three lines. However, in Japanese, it's writing one vertical line of characters. Though in Japanese, the syllable count doesn't always translate into English, but it's a good starting point. Haiko is a good way of becoming aware of syllables, hearing the rhythm, and by choosing your words carefully to capture a fleeting moment. There was a book I saw in Japan that was popular amongst the teachers called Erotic Haiku, which haiku works well for, capturing a fleeting moment. The beat of your poem must also match the content. Too bouncy and preppy for a melancholy poem simply would not work. It would confuse the reader. Like anything, the more you write poetry, the better you'll get. The more life experiences you have, the more you'll have to write about. As mentioned in previous podcast episodes and blog posts, Earlier this year, a close friend of mine, Jennifer Olsen, died, and I was confused and in physical pain. I felt lonely and isolated, and because she was overseas, everything was compounded. I had these bizarre thoughts running through my brain, but the words flowed. In fact, they gushed out. I couldn't stop. It was as though the only way I could make sense of what I was feeling was to write. Ironically, though, every time I sit down with a notebook and a pen to write a poem, I always produce something. So, as a habit, I try and produce at least one or two decent poems a month. It doesn't sound like much, and in some cases I'll write five in a week. But as a writer, it's a good habit to push yourself to write, rather than waiting for inspiration. Whilst I lost all my notebooks in the fire, I hand-wrote a collection of my favourite poems into a notebook and gifted them to a couple of friends. One dear friend, Emma, kept hers, 
and she posted it to me after the fire. She was in Melbourne, I was in New Zealand. And as cringeworthy as many of them are, they're my words. And a couple of lines I've since taken and used elsewhere. But the main point is so you can hear the difference between early poems written in my late teens and early 20s compared to poems written in the last year or two. So first up, this was an early poem, back when I used to drink. With my nurturing silk, I drink to sleep, warm by a fire. A flittering moth I try to grasp, my stupefied state a ruthless beast, too strong mortifies, alone with my bourbon and milk. The next one was written on a train going from Sydney back to the Blue Mountains. I think I'd been to a concert. I had these blue corduroy jeans. They sound tacky, I know, but I love them so much. Anyway, rereading this poem reminded me of them. And for some reason, when I read this poem, I have to read it in an American accent. That's just how I wrote it. Outburned the lights and fed me the dark. Onwards we walked and bred crass remarks. The band, they played on. Piano. Cello, vocals, hmm, mellow. I was wearing blue jeans, if I remember correctly, but they tore me down, yeah, quite solemnly. This next one was written around the same time. There was a smoking jazz singer I encountered the last evening. Quite fair, a waif, she moved me by just breathing. Resembling a bird, the way she spasmatically moved her head in time to the beats generated by her fellow band members. I'd like to kiss her, thought I, because I, uh, huh, I love her. She is the rain. So this next one was written last year when I was down in Victoria on a road trip. In the middle of a lake with no water, cracked earth tickled with wind and tides. Now weeds and branches drift in, afternoon breezes, sunlight wafts and weaves its way through thin clouds and thick. My grandma once swam in this lake, now it's flat lands and whimpering grass that whispers to the wind of luxuries long forgotten, and dreams washed away, evaporated like the waters that never visit here anymore. It's not just change, it's death. All life we knew has now ended, and folk tales told as fairy tales and hearsay belong in the clouds that tease and mock her open arms below. The first people here, no not the white ones, those that know the land and caused it to, never mind, it's all forgotten, it's all just stories, but now their words are lost. Their words form no memory here. Their words disappeared with the waters that once filled this lake. It's dusty. It crackles. Tiny birds chase down insects buzzing in the grass. And I stand alone, drowning in the silence, gasping in the sparseness. My words, the last remaining memory of this place. I still get goosebumps when I read that poem. That's when I know it's really good. I don't know whether you liked it or not, but anyway. So this next poem was the aforementioned one, the first poem that I ever edited. It was a collection of several lines that morphed into a single poem, and it was written after wandering Christchurch a few years after the big earthquake. And it also has a title, which many poems don't. 
the red zone. It's late, no stars. I count six buildings, not a light amongst them. Graffiti-stained windows separates the abandoned from the dead. Plastic tarps drumming the baseline. Tension builds as the city breathes. I expect zombies at every corner. Not a soul emerges, not even their shadows. A crumb-filled Starbucks plate balances delicately for years. Streetlights red for no cars. Disco beats drift on the winds. Pretty reflections cast off muck-filled holes where once stood tall office buildings and monuments grand. The sole survivor trips on a bump in the road. Brittle leaves laugh and shimmer behind. Red glow on red bricks screams porn and murder and lies and terror. Hotel curtains speak of life. It's false. Just a white cotton breeze, a smoke-filled breath, or an avenue of delirious shame. Every step crunches, the only life that remains. It may be broken, they may be blue, the city of crossbeams and struggle, a patchwork of cracks and spaces, some new, others forced, a green thing stands tall. I never talk to this southern town, flat and endlessly quiet. But I see it now, its soul bared fresh, thrust up, a powerful fist. It's the greenery that matters now. Let it grow, so too you will follow. One of the important parts of that poem is silence. Breaks between lines. Let the reader or the listener take in everything that you've said. There's no need to rush it. The pause in the sentence, a crumb-filled Starbucks plate, balances delicately for years. Without the pause, its meaning would be lost. It's one of my favourite lines from the poem. But the other aspect I love is it starts off so innocently, soft and quiet, and then it builds, and then it gets louder and rumbles, and then it stops, then it starts again before tapering off, just like an actual earthquake. So I'm in the process of collating my poems to produce as an ebook, both written and audio, and realistically I should have had it ready for this podcast, but I'm also writing more for it as well. However, if you head on over to Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash jadejackson, For just $5, you'll have access to my back catalogue of poems, recorded by me and released as mp3 files, and every month I'll release one to two poems in both written and audio format for your listening pleasure, along with a host of other goodies like ad-free blog posts and audio versions of my travel articles. Please, if this podcast has inspired you, share your poems with me. Thank you so much for listening to Jade Talk Stuff. Make sure you check out my other podcast, Travelosophy for useful and inspiring travel tips like how to improve your travel photos and off-the-beaten-track destinations. If you wish to say hi, please tweet me at jadikinsjackson. You can find me on Instagram at jadikinsjackson and head to my website jadejackson.com.au for more inspiring blog posts, check out my awesome travel photos and of course you'll also find the back catalogue of podcast episodes there as well. Just click on the podcast tab. Thank you so much for listening to J Talk Stuff. Bye bye now.